Hey there, travelers. It's your DM, Lucas. I am back once again to bring you a fantastic podcast for you all to listen to. And you're all probably wondering... I thought that was just in gin. Nope. From here on out, we are going to be doing probably about... We're looking at once a month. We're going to be showcasing other podcasts from marginalized creators because... We have a solid platform, and we believe that it's our responsibility as allies to help give a voice to these marginalized creators and share their stories, because often, as the way it goes, sometimes these stories can get swept under the whole mass of everything going on, so we are helping lift up these amazing tales, and I know you're going to like this one. Today, I am bringing you Bad Heroes. Now... You're listening to Ballad, which means you already like a little bit of horror mixed into your stories, and you enjoy more than your fair share of goofs. Well, good news, this podcast is chock full of them. This Pathfinder actual play takes you to the Unholy Empire, and I don't, I can't remember if it's actually hell, or it's basically hell. Either way, still pretty bad. Now, this story is a little bit different than what you're used to. Usually you have your heroes, they're fighting for good, light, justice, all that good stuff. And they're tasked by someone, or maybe they've taken it upon themselves to do some righteous deed. Well, these heroes, like the name implies, are bad at being heroes. What ended up actually happening is they get roped in by Queen Saphira. Listen to this title, Queen Saphira of Thrice-Cursed House of Fane. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had to work for a devil queen and that was the title, I don't feel like I'd be doing God's work. (laughs) So I hope you're ready for an amazing story because these heroes have to face off against werewolves, vampires, ghouls, you name it. They have to do it in the name of this devil queen. But come on, what's the worst that could happen, right? I'm sure these heroes will be completely fine and that no one's going to try to have any kind of malicious plans that'll hunt them down. Just wanted to make a few quick notes. So we have our guesting forums set up. I already have three one-shots on the way. Uh, I have three different groups, actually. We had that many people apply So it is bumping, but if you want to get your name in there, by all means, I'll get back to you when I can, but we'll make sure that you roll some dice. And remember that the the Black Lives Matter movement is still going on. Just because you're not seeing it on the news, just because you're not seeing it all over social media, doesn't mean that it's not still happening. It's just the fact that the algorithms are changing it up so that you're not seeing it anymore. There's still a lot of people marching, there are still people getting killed, and there are still a lot of murders that are not answered for. So remember, donate if you can, march if you can, and sign petitions, and spread the word as well, boost voices, help people out, because this is important. This is about people that have been dealing with systemic and systematic racism for centuries, so it's high time things got changed. So remember, travelers, do your part and help out however you can. So let's hop into this good story. 
I bring to you Bad Heroes. Hey, this is Dre Silvertooth, the GM of Bad Heroes. Bad Heroes is an actual play podcast about, you guessed it, four bad heroes hunting curses in a land bound to hell itself. Our game is narrative rich and rules light, and we are using Pathfinder first edition mechanics in a homebrew world. If you are joining us for the first time today, the episode you're about to hear is going to drop you right into the middle of the action. So let me give you a quick rundown of what's happened so far so you know what's going on. Our story begins in the capital city of Vire, the Unholy Empire, which is one of the most influential nations in the known world. The House of Fane has sat on Vire's throne for the last hundred years. Queen Saphira rules presently, her mother ruled before her, and her grandmother before her. Each generation is rumored to be more terrifying than the last, and more intertwined in the dealings of hell. But, despite its dark reputation, Vire's capital is a hub of culture and knowledge, attracting people from all walks of life. Gideon, an aristocratic elven sorceress. Iria, a wandering catfolk bard. Tonrur, an aloof half-elf druid. And Wingatha, a human fighter and ex-mercenary. Four strangers passing through the capital city of Vire have been unwillingly conscripted by Queen Saphira to complete a dangerous task, track down three infectious curses plaguing the lands, and capture an individual afflicted with each curse to be... studied. In this moment, our unlucky heroes find themselves in a forgotten castle buried deep beneath the sands of a faraway desert. They are hot on the trail of Lord Oberon, a Maroi vampire who is rumored to have turned his entire court into thralls over a century ago. They have managed to break into Oberon's buried castle and join forces with the vampire hunter Nyx, a catfolk dampier, with a personal vendetta against Oberon. During a search of the castle, they have learned that Lord Oberon is throwing a masquerade in the hopes of attracting a romantic partner. So they hatch a scheme to infiltrate the ball with Gideon magically disguised as a vampire noblewoman in order to launch a surprise attack. So... We are now in this moment. Our heroes' disguises are set. They have snuck into the foyer and donned their masquerade masks, and Gideon has just busted through a set of swinging double doors into the ballroom. It's time for the Eternal Masquerade. Buckle in and get ready to listen to some bad heroes. You guys, are you guys ready? Nope. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> if we were ready, we wouldn't be bad heroes. <laughs> That's true. This all feels like a bad idea. We're splitting up. <laughs> well, I mean, we all walk in there and there's a greater chance that one of them says, wow, you don't seem as dead as my soul. What's going on with that? So... <laughs> so you four and your vampire hunter friend Nyx are about to infiltrate... The Eternal Masquerade. There is a gorgeous waltz playing. 
Tonrir, Iria, Wingatha, and Nyx, there is a table in the room before you lined with elegant masquerade masks. And Gideon has just busted through a set of double doors beyond that is still swinging into a ballroom full of undead. Gideon, what you see is just this gorgeous sweeping room. Everything in this room is grand. The dance floor is beautifully patterned marble. And there are three crystal chandeliers hanging from the high vaulted ceiling. So you bust into this ballroom and it is sweeping and gorgeous and huge. And for a minute, your vision is filled with the spawn who are twirling and dancing across the floor in five different pairs. And they're all wearing masks and they're all wearing beautiful finery, but their faces are completely blank. And it's, it's very unnerving. But you can see past them, across this large floor, five figures. And among these figures, you see Oberon. And you recognize him immediately because you've seen his portrait all over this castle. He is tall and handsome with dark hair and a chiseled chin and the kind of pale blue eyes that some people might get lost in if it weren't for the faint tinge of red at the edge. He wears crimson and black finery and a sweeping cloak that billows out behind him for seemingly no reason, and a simple black leather mask, which is etched at the edge with a single red rose. His entire outfit is very well composed, except for a large pendant on his chest that features a blue and gold eye, and that eye is periodically blinking. Ew. <laughs> you want to give me a perception check, kids? Again, all of us? No, no, just Gideon. I was gonna say, I couldn't tell if that was kids or gids. Oh, no, gids, yeah. gids. That is. We're at the nickname stage. <laughs> They've been calling me that for a while. Gideon's just a long, fancy word. <laughs> How dare you? I love it. It's, listen, it's a very good name, but sometimes I want to call you something short and sassy. <laughs> call me G Money. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I refuse. My um my perception was 16 plus 6 so 22. Oh, very good. Okay. So with your your rock star eagle eyes, you can see that there are four figures standing around Oberon. <laughs> and they are captivating to look at. There are spawns sort of twirling in and out of your vision. So you are looking at this through a just whirlwind of color and movement. But you can see these four people pretty clearly. <laughs> and boy, are they something. Captivating as in gorgeous or captivating? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. No. Continue then. <laughs> captivating as in profoundly interesting. Um, <laughs> there is an ancient looking man who looks as if the beauty and glamour of vampirism completely passed him by. There is a delicate looking girl with black hair and black eyes who looks uncomfortably young to be a vampire. There is a woman with a scroll affixed to her forehead who is levitating. And there is another handsome man next to Oberon who looks as if in life he was a dark elf. And he's actually the most sort of mundane looking figure on the other side of the room. Uh, and he is the one that Oberon is currently talking to. I'm sorry, I know I'm not seeing this, but did you, did you say one of them has a scroll attached to their forehead? Yes. <laughs> and she is levitating. It's rad. 
She's a paper weight. <laughs> lose lose five hit points. <laughs> Gideon kind of sees that party of misfits over there and sees Oberon in all of his well-tailored glory and just kind of looks down at her dress and huffs a little bit like she's internally cursing the fact that Danny didn't pack a better dress. <laughs> it's a pretty nice dress. Yeah, but it's not the one she would have chosen. It's never good enough. Like she was like, this will do. Mm-hmm. And then she, are there any wait staff? Are there hors d'oeuvres <laughs> passed around or like glasses of blood or whatever? Ooh. Yes. Oh boy. Yes, there are. So directly ahead, straight ahead is the spawn. And then on the other side are four stairs that lead up to a slightly raised platform. And that's where all of the seemingly fully formed functional vampires are sort of chilling. And then directly to your right is a table, a table that is lined with goblets. And there's little papers in front of each goblet uh, with writing on them. Is it blood type? Do you want to go look? Yes. So based on this map, Gideon has walked through where that red curtain is. People are dancing in the middle and then straight ahead, like below the third story walkway is where Oberon and party are. Yeah, they're they're beyond the third story walkway. Oh, are they up the stairs? Yep, they're up the stairs on that kind of raised platform. Okay. As if they're just sort of surveying the room. And there's this red curtain that runs along the room, this really thick red curtain that runs along most of the room. And you get the impression that like somebody could hide behind that if they wanted to. It's like a really thick, lavish, ridiculous red curtain. Okay. And then to your right, there is that table that's lined with what looks like goblets full of blood that have labels. And then beyond that is like a little hallway with stairs. You kind of get the vibe maybe leads to like the kitchen. Like that looks like that's where the blood's coming from. Oh, the stairs on the right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. So she turns towards the self-service table and looks around at what is being, I guess, displayed for people to eat or drink. And I got a 15. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's just kind of the speed at which you take in information, I think, because it's pretty apparent. Like, these are goblets full of blood. They're crystal goblets, very fancy. And <laughs> there's little pieces of paper in front of them that that tell you how old the victim was and what race they were and any other, like, relevant information. Hmm. And it's all pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> Okay. It's just all the sort of demographic information of the victim. Kind of like one would lay out like labels on wine, you know, like this was grown in, I don't know, Napa. And right. It's been sitting in a basement <laughs> for 40 years. This is like, ah, oh, this kid grew up in a castle and they, you know, were 12. Like were Oberon and Party carrying any of these or holding any glasses? They are all holding goblets. Yes. Okay. All right. So then Gideon steals herself and walks up and grabs... Oh, God. A goblet of elf blood. Okay. Wow. And just carries it and starts walking around. Oh, boy. It's cannibalism time. (laughs) It's more that she's kind of stuck up. Like, she's like... (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Only good blood here. Only the best for you. She's a little little bit racist. (laughs) Okay, so it's it's not just cannibalism. It's racist cannibalism. (laughs) Gideon. (laughs) I hope Tonrier doesn't find out which glass you picked up. (laughs) 
Are you just sort of beelining straight for... Uh, no. She's holding the goblet and, like, very obviously not drinking it. <laughs> but just, like, holding it and kind of walking along the right side of the room. I would say she stops maybe midway where she's still with an Oberon's view, but just stops next to... I assume there are people kind of all around, right? Just watching the dancers. Um, so in this room, there's literally just those five vampires on the race platform and the 10 spawn. That's it. And the 10 spawn are all just dancing. So you're kind of, you're kind of cloaked right now by the 10 spawn. They're dancing in the middle of the ballroom. This huge, like 60 by 90 room, like a large portion of it is being taken up by these dancers who are doing this sweeping Viennese waltz very quickly and like trading partners and moving around. And there's just like swirls of color as they're like dresses and gowns and suits and cloaks and stuff. Is there any point in this room when when people are dancing where she would be more visible to Oberon? If you walked right through the dancing spawn like a highly dramatic human being, then yes, he would be, he would be very visible. Right. So he, he hasn't seen me at all because he can't see past the people dancing. I think as you walk in, the eyes are beginning to turn on you. I mean, you are a really tall person and you are also like really fascinatingly dressed, but it's literally been a matter of seconds. So I think those five people up on that platform are starting to turn towards you. Okay. So Gideon's going to hold this goblet, not drinking it, but just holding it, watching the people dancing. She's going to kind of find the rhythm of it. And then still without drinking any of it, she just sets the goblet back down onto the table and then swoops in to try and like slip into one of the dance as they're changing partners. Okay, great. Yeah, I think you can do that. I think you kind of bust in. Are you trying to lead or follow? Follow. Okay. Um, I think you bust in and you just kind of, <laughs> a pair of thralls are spinning past you. It's a like tall man and a smaller man. And I think you kind of bust the smaller man out of the way and <laughs> <laughs> just kind of casually burp and you jump in and you, I mean, this completely blank faced thrall just begins to waltz with you. And you're doing this, you know, really quick, like, are, is Gideon versed in, in dancing, I assume? Yes, she is. Okay. Would you still like me to make, like, some kind of check? I would love for you to make a check. Let's see. A Lindy Hop check. A Lindy <laughs> Hop check. <laughs> Give me a waltz check. Well, you don't have the performance skill, but I can't see any reason why you wouldn't dance. I wish there was, like, knowledge fanciness because i make you make a knowledge fanciness check <laughs> knowledge parentheses fancy are you now what's your vibe are you trying to just be really dexterous or are you trying to be like intimidatingly good at the dance because if so it would be i guess an intimidate check i think that she's just trying not necessarily trying to be intimidatingly good but she is trying to show off in a way okay so she's trying to just like <laughs> you're just busting into his party and just like completely stealing the show dexterity check please okay because i assume all the thralls like dancing are just kind of like dressed drably they're dressed pretty fancily like you get the impression he was trying to fill out his party to make it like but are they as fancy as gideon no one is as fancy as gideon kaz <laughs> all right so yeah <laughs> she's just trying to like show up these mindless thralls i guess okay yeah um dexterity 13 plus 2, 15. Okay, that's great. I mean, I, I think you slide in and like 
Wow, you are a sight to behold. You are spinning around this room. You are following, so you are being like sort of spun between partners, and you are not missing a step. And I think that you go a circle or two around this room with all five vampires watching you. And then suddenly, so incredibly fast, you are not dancing with that thrall anymore. You are dancing with Oberon. The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And his hands, your hands are cold. His hands are freezing. And there is a bit of blood on his lips. And he falls into step effortlessly and spins you. And up close, he is very handsome. And he is just as unnerving. I don't know if you've ever looked into somebody's eyes and immediately felt uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever looked at somebody and immediately had that feeling that you would not want to be alone with them. (laughs) That is the feeling you get when you look into his face. And he spins you effortlessly and I think pulls you into the center of the dance floor. And those five pairs of thralls fall back into step around you, spinning in a circle. And Oberon stops and holds up your hand and says, My, my, look at you. My God, you are beautiful. A queen of ice and snow. And he bows very low. As he's bowing, Gideon's going to take a quick glance to see if the rest of her party has come through the freaking doorway yet. <laughs> yeah, what's what's up with the rest of the party? <laughs> I was waiting for for the for the moment to slip in. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the hall of foyer, <laughs> everyone's still fucking looking at Mass, being like, hmm. <laughs> um. So actually, Ton Rear was intent on uh, waiting a few seconds so it doesn't look like we came in as a group. Mm. And he's just, he's going to throw on the rough spun black cloak up and over his head. And um, I think his goal here is while he looks in and sees everybody distracted, he's going to come in. Um, The owl, unfortunately, has to stay outside Mm. because that would be a little bit weird. He's got his mask on. He's thrown on hood, uh, the hooded cloak, and he's concealed his bow to just like up on his back uh, beneath the cloak and let me do let me do something for you cuz cuz Gideon has seen this room in HD mm. you guys have seen a fleeting glance of color and dancing thralls because you saw it just like you saw it for a second as the door swung open and you did not see it again yeah so i think as you guys are gearing up and maybe kind of standing there trying to figure out how to approach this the snake comes out of your hood mhm and looks at you. I look back at the snake. <laughs> <laughs> the snake slides down, like kind of gives you like a pointed look. I think maybe as you approach this door, like. Mm. <laughs> okay. He, he, he stops. And then slides down your arm and slips under the door. And the snake is gone for a little while. And then the snake slides back under the door and approaches you like it has many times to get a lift back up. Tonry will kneel down and put a hand toward the floor so that way he can slither up again. Okay, so everybody has a thing, this uh, hunt, and this is yours. So as the snake slides back up your arm, he looks at you for a long moment, and then he bites you. (laughs) (laughs) And 
Ooh. Ooh, boy. I need you to take... (laughs) Sorry, homie. I need you to take three damage. Okay. (laughs) Cool thing. (laughs) Cool thing, thanks. And, and, And you're probably angry for a hot minute because that really hurt. And you get the impression that this is a venomous snake, so that's not ideal. But you are hit with a wave of information. Hmm. You see everything the snake has seen these last few minutes. First, you see the darkness inside your hood and your own face. And then you see the descent to the floor. And you watch as if through the snake's eyes as he slithers into the next room and surveys the scene. And he sees everything. You have an incredibly good understanding of the layout of this room now. And the snake sees not just with his eyes, but with the pit organ in infrared. And the room is colors. A smear of blue and yellow and orange and red. And Tonrir, you are red and orange because you are a warm and living body. But the figures twirling on the dance floor are a cool dead blue. You see everything Gideon has seen. You see ten thralls twirling like perfect puppets around the dance floor, and you see five cold blue figures standing on the elevated far end of the dance hall. You see Oberon grab Gideon, and you see them dance. So you now have an extremely good understanding of that room. You know that there are curtains that someone could hide behind, and you know that there is a third-story walkway that must connect to something outside this room. Okay. Wingatha saw the snake bite Tonrir, and she marches over and, like, whispers, What the hell? Tonrir is going to put his uh, other hand up and take a deep breath. Uh, the thing that I've been searching for here between Druid and Half-Elf is poison resistance. Okay. What'd you find? I am still looking. So, <laughs> um, I was going to have the three damage be like the poison. Okay, cool. That is all the damage you take. Because he was not trying to hurt you. Mm. it's just part of how this works. And so he was not trying to hurt you, but he is... He was just like, oops, I'm venomous. <laughs> he is, by definition, a very dangerous snake. Yeah. You know, he had held off on doing this because nothing was quite this dire. This is an extremely dire situation, and I think he felt like it was worth it. Okay. I love how you were like, let me do something for you, and then proceeds to, <laughs> to bite you. Let me do something for you. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> so I think Tonrir is going to blink for a few seconds because he's probably looking a little, I wouldn't say woozy, but he's definitely lightheaded for a minute. Mm-hmm. Takes another deep breath and recomposes himself and puts the hand back out toward the snake so it can continue slithering upward on his arm back into the hood. And he's going to eventually work on you know standing back up. And he goes, I now know what is in the ballroom. For the sake of time, I'll just quickly divulge, like in a non-HD version, what was in the ballroom. Yep. Yeah, so just assume that Tonrir just gave you all the information. He was like, there are this many vampires. They are here. This is what's going on. There's a third-story walkway. There's, you know, he's just, he's told you all the things. You know all the stuff now. And Tonrir is going to say, what I'm going to do is try to sneak in at the right moment through the doors and take behind the curtain that is on the right side and go toward the stairs. What you all decide to do at this point, I am unsure, but what I'm going to try to do is gain the high ground and stay hidden. Iria links her arm with Nyx, because that's kind of her saying, like, I think Nyx and I are going to stick together and... She hasn't quite decided what she's going to do yet, but she's thinking. 
Okay. He he smiles at you. Wingatha says, "All right, I think we should we should all stay behind that curtain because we do not blend in with this crowd at all. But we should stay behind the curtain and just fan out and try to find an advantage." <laughs> so the curtain goes all the way to the floor. You won't see like our feet shuffling. Yeah, nope, it's all the way to the floor. It's a really long curtain. There are gaps that the curtain doesn't cover. For example, there's a gap like when you first come into the ballroom on the right side, on the east side, There's a little hall that leads to the kitchen, down some stairs. There's a gap in the curtain there because it would make no sense to have a curtain across a doorway. When you walk into the ballroom on the left side, there is what looks like an open first story balcony that was probably very lovely back when this castle wasn't buried. And there are two sort of like French doors. There's no curtain in front of that. So there are areas of this room that don't have a curtain. Most of it does. Okay. And Wayantha suggests you two kitty cats should uh, maybe take the left and then Tanmir and I will go to the right. Like, what What? What are we looking for on the left? I, it, should we all stick together? She's just getting scared. Oh, no. <laughs> Quick clarity question on the room. Does the curtain extend underneath the walkway? It does, yes. Iria's <laughs> getting scared. Anybody got any words of wisdom? Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I, well, okay, Tanmir will toss this out. We can be fearful, but one of ours is already inside the room, and if we are going to help her, we need to move. We need you to gain your confidence, all of you. Remember that which makes you happy. And he looks to uh, Nyx uh, pointedly with that reference um, before he turns toward the door. I think Nyx smiles a a big smile and kind of braces himself and nods and says, "Um, is everyone ready? We get the nods. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I will do it. <laughs> Remember, our goal is to take out Oberon. If we take out Oberon, the spawns are no longer under his control. And then they're real vampires, right? <laughs> uh, burn that bridge when we get to it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they are, yes. But who can say what type of people they'll be? What type of vampires they'll be? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any vampires that don't suck your blood? Nyx just slowly points at himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, as Tonrir's at the door, uh, he's going to look back toward the group and say, give a few moments before you step in behind the person that was in front of you. Moments? <sighs> <laughs> Guys... I would like some stealth checks, please. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Uh, while he's looking that up, Dre, I wanted to ask, what's the time frame on this? Because I know that Tonmir saw through the snake's eyes that Oberon was already dancing with me. And then they had a quick cuddle. Like, <laughs> we can just say now we're in the same time. Like, so Tonmir is entering kind of as I'm peeking over. Yep. You see Tonmir busting in. I don't know that Tonmir busting in is the best way to put this if he's trying to be stealthy. <laughs> Tonmir kicks open both doors. <laughs> Let's his owl free into the ballroom. <laughs> Swoop in. Okay, so we're in this moment. Y'all are sneaking in. Let's do stealth checks one at a time. Tonmir, what was yours? Okay, I'm rolling now. <laughs> 29. <laughs> Oh boy, you stealthy. You stealthy, stealthy boy. Let's see. (laughs) 
Oh, boy, howdy. It's a good, good thing that you rolled real good, because so did Oberon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, you just made it, homie. <laughs> oh. oh, no. This doesn't bode well Ooh, for the rest oh of us. God. <laughs> Fear is confirmed. Uh, Man. Would any... Okay, never mind. I got it. It's fine. Just <laughs> Let's just keep going. I have an idea. Oh boy! Wow, <laughs> boy, am I ready? Okay, so you see, so so you see Tonmer slip in very stealthy, but you also see that boy is Oberon perceptive. Like there is a ripple in the edge of the curtain where Tonmer just slipped through, and you see his eyes dart there for just a second, like just a second, just a second. Like you see his eyes dart there, but he is so captivated by you. But he he did seem to notice some kind of movement, even though Tonmer was unbelievably sneaky. Okay, as soon as Gideon sees that little dart in his eyes, what just happened? He had said, um, he had said, my God, you're beautiful, a a queen of ice and snow. (laughs) Okay, so Gideon sees him kind of, his eyes catch the movement, and she immediately panics and says, you're not so bad yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hang on, I gotta say it in her voice. So she she sees that she sees that little ripple in his eyes um, where they dart over to where she knows that uh, Tanra is, and she tries to very quickly just grab his attention again and say, "You're not so bad yourself." <laughs> Voice quivering. She just does not know what she's doing. <laughs> this is the most hilarious, like meat cute ever <laughs> because it's like meat terrifying okay god yeah like my butt's eating my pants right now this is scary as <laughs> oh boy everybody's scared i am scared please make good choices <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Dre Silvertooth, your GM, and thank you for checking out Bad Heroes. You are listening to episode 16, part 12 of the Forgotten Court story arc. I hope you are enjoying the show and our heroes' incredibly bad life choices. If you like what you hear, you can find all our episodes on our website at badheroescast.com. You can also subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We can be found on most platforms by searching Bad Heroes. A quick note. This episode ends on a cliffhanger and actually leads into the finale of the Forgotten Court arc. If you are dying to find out what happens next, you can check out the listener guide on our website for a more detailed recap of the story so that you can dive right into episode 17. Or, if you are a completionist like me, you can start from the very beginning with episode 1 and catch all of our running jokes and cool foreshadowing. A warning, though, the sound quality of our early episodes is not as great. It is still always understandable, but there is just a lot more room noise and echoes because we didn't really know what we were doing when we started this over a year ago. So, if sound quality is important to you, I recommend sticking with the later episodes. I am going to take a quick second to introduce our lovely cast. 
Gideon is played by Kaz Ballou. Iria is played by Liska Winter. Tonrir is played by Coolness, that's K-O-U-L-N-I-S. And Wingatha is played by Leanne Rose. Leanne is also my co-producer and editor of this show. We can be found on social media at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also send us an email at badheroescast at gmail.com. Music in this episode includes Darkest Child, Moonlight Hall, Ghost Dance, and Some Amount of Evil by Kevin MacLeod, and Demons by Kai Engel. Our theme song is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. And thank you to Ballad of the Seven Dice for sharing our stuff with your listeners. We really appreciate the work you do to uplift other podcasts, especially marginalized voices. And I think that's everything, so let's get back to the masquerade. Thank you for tuning in. I hope to see you again. Bye. Man, okay, I think... I think Oberon, he does that horrible thing where he looks you up and down very slowly and it's very uncomfortable (laughs) and he's still holding your hand next to his lips. And when he breathes, you can feel that cold air. And he says, um, an exquisite creature come to my castle at my invitation. To whom do I owe the pleasure And Gideon kind of regains her composure and tries to tug her hand. He lets it fall. Okay, so she tugs it back a little bit indignantly and says, I would imagine if you sent out the invitations, you would know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) While this conversation is taking place, can we... Keep trying keep to sneak sneaking in. in. Yes, absolutely. Um, who's who's next? Well, Wingatha, I think, is going to follow pretty closely behind Tonrir and go in the same direction a few moments after he slips through the doors. Okay, great. Give me that stealth roll. Oh, boy. I'm so scared, guys. <laughs> clang, clang, clang. <laughs> Wingatha is not stealthy, guys. That is going to be an 11. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh boy. Bud is eating pants. Bud is eating pants. <laughs> so what happens on an 11? What happens when Wingatha comes in? Yeah, what's an 11 stealthy? Does she just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> she basically tries to slip behind the curtains the same way Tanya did, but she is like, she's carrying so many weapons and her shield. And so she's... She's really bulky. <laughs> so it's just like she's behind the curtains, but like now the curtains are, <laughs> are bulging a little bit. Yeah, the curtains are wing at the shape. They have a spear like poking out. <laughs> Gideon, you have a split second in which you see this happening. <laughs> I see I see Wingatha fucking stumble her way in. <laughs> and you know, without a doubt, he's gonna fucking see that. What do you do? So since Gideon had just tugged her hand away, <laughs> she slaps him. <laughs> <laughs> she just tugged her hand away and then she sees Wingatha stumble her way in and try and get behind the curtain. 
she looks right at Oberon and then grabs his hand. Oh. And then kisses it. <laughs> my my face is in my hands. You can't see this right now, but my face is in my hands. Roll gets Give me a give me a charisma check. That is 14 plus nothing. Charisma 4. Oh wait, what? Nothing? Oh, you have 4 charisma? Charisma's my highest cuz that's my spell casting. Oh, I was like, did you just, I was like, did you just take away my charisma? <laughs> uh, 14 plus four, so 18. Okay, that's, that's good. Boy, I, you reach out and you grab his hand and it is cold and you just kind of take charge of the situation and he is just captivated by you, Gideon. So he didn't notice Wingatha? No, no, he did not notice Wingatha. Whew. <laughs> 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 Does he say anything to that action? <laughs> you had asked him, like, surely he knows who you are because he sent the invitation. Mm-hmm. He says, um, look at someone whose reputation should precede them. Apologies. And he, like, slowly sketches a bow. My invitation was open to those interested parties who are undead. I don't know you, but I would like to. I would like to add the other four vampires are just like staring. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not noticing what's going on at the entrance either. No, because they also have a lot of thralls in the way and stuff. So his perception checks are going to be the best one. He's the closest. Mm-hmm. They are very interested in what's going on. The handsome man, the undead dark elf is looking. Mm-hmm. He's looking pretty peeved about being upstaged so handily <laughs> by you. Was he trying to court? Yes. You get the impression that if this was an episode of The Bachelor, (laughs) before you showed up, he was the absolute only one in this room who was going to get a rose. (laughs) The rose is mine, bitch. (laughs) Okay. Oberon just said. He doesn't know you, but he would like to. Okay. Gideon's going to drop his hand and then say... What is there to know when a connection is so instant and inexplicable as this? I can't. There's got to be that skeleton book. It's so good. Oh, God. Okay, and hopefully, is it now time for the next person to come in? (laughs) Wingatha is rolling her eyes so hard. There's one thing that I do want to add here. Yes. Todd is behind the curtain. Wingatha's managed to make her way behind the curtain rather clumsily. There, there's a glare that Tonrir is casting toward Wingatha. <laughs> and it is of just a mix of really and I don't want to die today. For reference, I did send a photo inside of our group chat. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, listen, if you think we're not posting that, you are sorely mistaken. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Wingatha just as quietly as she can, like, raises her hands up in an open shrug. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Does that shrug actually make the curtains go out a little bit more? God damn it. <laughs> just, just a little, but it's fine. Man, Oberon is just, he is the emoji with big star eyes. <laughs> you can tell Gideon, he is just, he is eating this up. <laughs> Nyx and Iria. Iria, it is it is in your hands. Um, I think what we're going to do is Nyx is going to stick with you for the first part of this hunt. So where you decide to go, he's going to tag along. Okay. Well, Iria is going to try to muster up her courage. And the way she does that is by taking Nyx's hand or head face in her hands. <laughs> his, his head face. His hand and face. <laughs> his entire head face. <laughs> into her hands. <laughs> Iria takes Nyx's face in her hands and... Yes. So face in her hands and she just looks like really deeply into his eyes, like really genuinely because she knows what happened, like why he's here and his family back home. So she's looking deep into his eyes to be like, this is my friend. Like, I I, I think I, I kind of love this guy on, on some level. So she's like taking his motivation for being here and... and taking it for her own too because he's become like a really good friend almost instantaneously so that's helping her to be like okay i got this oh that's really sweet now roll (laughs) 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 nix looks at you and his pupils kind of dilate and his tail is getting that sort of like you know when a cat is looking at something that's very interesting to them. And their tail kind of does that twitchy thing. His tail's doing the twitchy thing. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, I, eh, does, does your, this isn't the, I, <laughs> does your, we don't have time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Iria kisses him. Oh my God. <laughs> just, a, just a little peck, just a little peck for like, good luck. All right. All right. He's down. Really quickly, he's like, okay, quickly. Does your clan practice monogamy? Because mine does not. <laughs> mine does not believe in it. <laughs> I'm married. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> Down with it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, we have a lot to talk about later. But for now, let's not die. <laughs> <laughs> and roll. Oh. oh, my, I got a 20. Wow. Crit. Okay. Kiss for good luck indeed. Hot damn. <laughs> damn, what's your stealth modifier? I don't even think I care. I think if you roll a 20, you just do it. Wow. Yeah, my stealth modifier is a six. Oh boy, I thought for sure you were toast. All right. Wow, great job. Confidence. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of confidence now. That kiss really helped you because you were kind of scared. <laughs> it's what Uriah lives for. <laughs> she is motivated by love. Okay, so you slip in to the left. Mm-hmm. Okay, so through this door, Iria has slipped to the left. Tonra and Wingatha have slipped to the right. You are all three behind the curtain. Nyx is going to follow. He did just fine. His stealth modifier is bananas, so it's okay. Let's see. Oh, yeah, he's cool. So he slips in beside you, Iria. So Obron didn't even glance over. Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. You got this. You got this. There's no time for for lesser beings. For ruffling curtains. You got this in the blood bag. <laughs> Whew, okay, so, man, Oberon is just captivated. And he takes both your hands and he looks at your face, which is pale and 
cold, and your eyes are a little unnaturally sharp. You look undead. And it has enhanced your beauty. And he just stares at you, captivated. And your magnificently intimidating ice armor. And your beautiful gown. And he is he is just absolutely taken. Oberon, I think, grabs both your hands and says, um, Please, allow me to introduce you. Please, allow me to know your name. No. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> Where is everyone now? How far have they progressed? They are all on the south side of the room. You're like 30 feet away. I want to see how far they've progressed towards their destinations. Like she's trying to see how long she has to stall. Gotcha. Oh, they just got into the room. They're very close to the door, I think. Yeah. Okay. So then Gideon, um, with both her hands in Oberon's, she moves them without disconnecting the hands. She moves them into a waltz frame Mm. Mm -hmm. and says, perhaps you can win my name with a dance. Oh, he's down. <laughs> Let's see. Tonder, okay. Now. <laughs> climb skill. Tonder just linked us to the climb skill. I'm prefacing. I'm prefacing, okay? Apropos of nothing. <laughs> it's apropos of something. Tonder yeets himself 60 feet to the ceiling. Let's see. You basically told him he can earn your name through a dance. Boy, he takes that to heart. I don't even think I have to roll. This fool can waltz. <laughs> okay. He doesn't say anything. I mean, I think he just immediately busts into a waltz and he is waltzing, leading you effortlessly through these spawn that are just moving out of his way. They were kind of like the main show before you showed up. While he is having this conversation, while he is dancing with you, he is also controlling 10 minds. Let that sink in. That is that is so much mental power. He is controlling the footsteps of 10 thralls and his own, and now yours. And as he starts to dance with you, these thralls move effortlessly out of your way and sort of dance around you. And as he's waltzing with you quickly around the room, you realize like your feet are actually leaving the floor. You guys are beginning to dance above the dance floor because he is walking on the air and he is holding you close to his body. So Gideon's dancing in the air. What's everybody else doing? Dance, dance revolution 2.0. This is great. All right. So the reason I linked climb, by the way. Sure, sure. Here's the goal. Uh, there's a small gap on the southwest or sorry, southeast corner where the stairs are between curtains. Sure. And the goal here is that Tonrir is going to traverse that gap, get behind the curtain that is on the 90-foot wall on the east side toward the third-story walkway. So the first thing he's going to check for before he does this is he's going to feel the wall itself. Like, what does the wall feel like um, in terms of... Climbability? Yes. (laughs) Let me look at your little climb chart. This is amazing because I'm just imagining... Almost like when there's like a cat underneath a blanket, like just this lump that you can kind of see moving along. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what four out of five of you are right now. The thought here for Tonrir is that if the wall is enough for him to do a DC check against, you know, the dungeon surface, quote unquote, Uh you would much rather use the wall than grab hold of the curtain and climb up that instead. Okay. All right. 
I also didn't know if time had taken its toll on the wall. I would imagine it wouldn't make much of a difference. Oh, that's a really good point. Okay, so you you do get the impression that this castle was once very grand, and this castle is now kind of collapsing under the weight of the desert above. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a big crack that runs the wall near you. Okay. Is it like those cracks you get at Project Zomboid? Exactly. Yes. It's like a Project Zomboid crack. Although in Project Zomboid, you get the cracks after like a week, which is just not how houses work. (laughs) But but yeah, so there's there's a big crack. So I think if you wanted to climb, that would fall under DC 15, which is any surface with adequate handholds and footholds. Okay. Also, Mm. do I need to do another stealth check to cross the gap where the stairs are? You were just going to run across? Yeah, run from one gap to another. Well, not run, but whatever. Um, yeah. I'm going to say your guys' stealth checks will hold unless you do something super wild. Gotcha. <laughs> like climb 45 feet up the wall behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, or like, I mean, I guess crossing a gap is kind of in that category, but there's a table lined with goblets in front of you. So if you crouch, you can kind of run behind it. Okay. Mm. I won't make you do a check again. Your stealth check was really good. Okay. So, yeah, that's the goal. Tonrir is going to turn toward Wingatha and motion a wait here. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to crouch, go from one curtain to another, and uh, get just beneath on one side of that third-story walkway and start feeling for where he's going to climb up. Okay. All right. So you are sneaking all the way across the east side of this room or the right side of this room from where you guys came in. Correct. And you're sneaking across, and as you get to the far north end of this room near the walkway, you can see the four other vampires on that platform. Mm-hmm. And I think through, you know, gaps in the curtain or whatever, you get a pretty good eye full of them. And you are really <laughs> you are really hit by the sensation that, like, some of those vampires look very old. You probably don't want to fight them. <laughs> right. So you are now underneath the walkway that goes up to the third story. Okay. And we'll go ahead and say there's a crack over there. Okay. To give you some more dimensions on the room, the vaulted ceiling in the middle of the room at its highest is 60 feet up. Okay. The catwalk is 45 feet up. Okay, that's what that 45 is for. Okay. Yeah, 45 is where the catwalk is because it is associated with the third floor. Okay. What's everybody else doing? Dancing in the air. What's the plan, guys? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is the plan? <laughs> hey, so is that table with the goblets of wine, is it covered in like a fancy tablecloth? It's not wine. Or not wine, <laughs> blood. <laughs> we we all wish it was wine. Yes, it has a it has a fancy um crimson tablecloth that kind of matches the curtains. Okay. So Wingatha saw Tonrir slip through that gap and doesn't think she can pull that off. Um, so instead <laughs> She's going to get down on her hands and knees and slip under that table so that she can peer out from beneath the tablecloth to keep an eye on what's going on in the room. Okay, great. So she's like lying on her belly. Okay. Under the table. Cool, with like a million weapons on her back. Mm-hmm. Very mood. <laughs> All right, Iria, what's up? I think Iria makes her way through the red curtain, you know, around the corner to where the red curtain stops and is just like sliding through that whole area. Okay. So you're going up the west side to the left of where you guys came in. You're sliding up that wall along the red curtain. Yeah. And then gets to the place where the curtain stops and looks at Nyx, kind of as to say like, I probably shouldn't show my face because I'm not a vampire. 
Uh, Nyx looks to you as if to say, I probably shouldn't show my face. I'm literally a prisoner in this castle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dang. That's a smart. (laughs) You guys are right up against two like very elegant French double doors that you assume once upon a time led out to a first story balcony that you can kind of see through a window that's inlaid. Mm -hmm. And it's weird, like when you look out that window, and I think you can get a little glance, what you know you should see off that first story balcony is like sand, just a ton of sand because you guys are absolutely buried. Right. But what you see is stars. On the balcony? Like when you look at, no, not, (laughs) (laughs) there are whole galaxies on the balcony. No, like, like it looks like a balcony that you would walk out to and like see the night sky. Okay. Which is also ridiculous because it's literally daytime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you, you get the impression this is kind of an enchanted balcony. Okay. And the fact that the castle's underneath sand. Yeah, and you should be buried, yes. So Iria just waits. Doesn't know what to do. Iria just fucking chills. <laughs> I think she peeks around the red curtain, like, just a little bit, just to see what's going on. I think you and Gideon exchange a ridiculous glance. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you, what's your, like, you just see, like, Iria's little cat face poke out from around the curtain. What do you, what do you do, Gideon? So since I'm dancing with Oberon, I see that. And on the next whirl around, Gideon just gives, like, a very intense, like, get back, get back in there <laughs> kind of face. God, this is beautiful. I think Iria turns to Nyx after she does that and looks at him and says, Okay, I checked, and uh, Gideon is totally okay. We can go back now. <laughs> comment on the fact that I'm dancing in the air. forgot about that. He, like, peeks through a gap in the curtain, and he, like, looks at you, and he's like, that might be an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> he's just waiting, but he does have his crossbow loaded with a heart stake bolt. So he's sort of very slowly and stealthily loading his crossbow. But he takes a glance at those four vampires on the far north side of the room up on that platform, and he says to Iria, I, we cannot fight them all at once. We can't. Perhaps we should pick them off one by one. Hmm. Let me look at what bardic performances I have. <laughs> now I got, now I'm going to have to tell you, and I know this puts you in a bind and I'm sorry about it. If you play music, they will notice you. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are. Gideon is slowly dancing around the dance floor, being sort of carried by Oberon, who is levitating above the dance floor. On the north side of the room are four fully formed vampires of different types who all look pretty ominous and also not super pleased with the turn of events. And Tonrir and Wingatha are on the east side of the room. Wingatha is under a table and Tonrir is is, uh, skirting along the wall under the curtain. And uh, Iria and Nyx are sort of holed up on the southwest side of the room behind the curtain. And they just poke their heads out, right? Yep, just poke their heads out. You guys made uncomfortable eye contact and then Iria put her head back in. (laughs) Oberon is just going to be, I mean, he is just trying to dance his heart out right now. And so am I then. (laughs) <laughs> okay, great. So they're just waltzing like crazy. <laughs> Oberon is pretty distracted right now, so we need to focus on like the four that are up on that little whatever they're on. That would make sense. Um, Actually, you know what? The drow, he has been looking progressively more angry since Gideon showed up, because I think before Gideon showed up, Oberon was courting him pretty heavily. Mm. 
And Gideon walked in the room and like, it was just all over for him. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks, he looks pretty furious. And you know what? He smashes his goblet on the floor. And he marches below Gideon and Oberon on the dance floor and marches back towards the foyer. Is he leaving? That, that'll definitely help us. It appears that he is leaving. So he is heading towards the foyer. Sweet. What a grumpus. <laughs> anybody, does anybody want to do anything as he leaves? Or are you guys going to let him? Does anybody want to stop him? <laughs> or, or, uh, <laughs> or are you guys going to let him go? Gideon, do you make like a nasty face at him? <laughs> <laughs> no, Gideon's not even paying attention to that. She's, okay. <laughs> she's focused on her, where she knows her party is, and then focused on making sure that Oberon's eyes are on her. All right. So this guy's heading out. Is anybody doing anything or you kind of let him go? I am doing something. All right. I'm going to try to use that moment of distraction to climb the wall. So that way, if something does happen, hopefully it's not as noticeable. Okay. I would like a stealth check for this. Okay. Don't woof it. (laughs) 26. Okay. That is not, that's not woofing it. All right, cool. So you start (laughs) climbing this wall. You're going up 45 feet? Yep. Okay. I think it takes you a little bit of time, but yeah, I mean, you're going at like a nice steady pace. You're making like kind of a funny little lump in the curtain that's just like sort of drifting (laughs) upward. Should you be doing a climb check? Yes. Yep. Climb check, please. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Leanne. (laughs) Oh, 16. (laughs) Wait, what's that given the crack or not? Because that's what I was basing my desire to go up this wall on. The crack? We had crack this whole time. (laughs) Iria, is there something you need to tell us? Why didn't you tell me? I would have gotten up much faster. (laughs) (laughs) Go fast. That's fair. I gave you 15, so 15 it is. So I think you you go ahead and you go up the 45 feet, and it takes you a little while. But you're real quiet about it, and you're probably like doing very quiet breathing. Mm -hmm. And then you, you finally get up the 45 feet. What you can see once you get up there is that the third story walkway, it's high up, but it is it is kind of visible from where Oberon is. The other thing that you can see on the far west side of the third story walkway is a coffin. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So how high up are they dancing right now? Like 20 feet. Okay. Don't fall. Gids. because of that i'm gonna be like belly crawling on the walkway itself once i get up there okay cool i will tell everybody else what i'm what i'm thinking about doing while i'm at it we already had one vampire storm off (laughs) tonrier is gonna at some point depending on how things play out Try to let the hoop drop down on a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Ring toss. Man, talk about like a really challenging like ranged attack. Yeah, I know. But if anything, the ring will be down there for other people to use. I realized that I didn't leave it with anybody. So. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) So that'll be a moment of opportunity. So I've done my thing. Okay. That drow, like, is anyone else doing anything while he's storming out or is everybody letting him go? No, Wingeth is just watching. Okay. Uh, Iria? I was thinking of moving to the other side of the curtain across the balcony, but I think I think Iria saw... That would be good, because then you'd be where the ring is going to go, though. Right. Okay. But that's also a huge gap. 
You could do it, but I would need either a really good stealth check or you're going to need some help. How could I have help? Mix can yeet you over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's risky, but you could try it. Risque. Risque. Okay. Iria goes for another kiss and then roll. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what happened when the goblet shattered? Did everyone look over that way or was anyone phased? And where did he walk? Like in the middle or towards the side? Or He walked straight down the middle of the room very dramatically. I think he shouldered a couple thralls out of his way. And yeah, just walked straight through the middle of the room and down towards the foyer. All right. Oh, man. Iria's going to try and run over there really quick. Okay. Stealth check, please. I'm so scared. Yeah, me too. Oh, God. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, 24. Oh, okay. Skittering away. Yes. Hang on. Let me roll four vampires. Oh. Hey. What happens? Well, Oberon rolled a 20. And his modifier is very big. Mm-mm. Ooh. For perception. Uh-huh. So... He is dancing with Gideon, you know, 20 feet in the air, and he is spinning them around. And they have that waltz frame where their arms are out very dramatically. And he is just stepping gracefully between her feet. And as Iria begins, like as she she makes it most of the way, but right as she starts to dart into the curtain on the north side, he sees movement and he starts looking in that direction. Okay, so as Gideon sees this, she, as Gideon sees his face starting to drift over to where she knows Iria is, <laughs> she takes one hand out of the waltz frame and cups his face and says, Amara. What does that, what does that mean? It's a name. Oh. It's a oh, name. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, coolness. You're welcome. <laughs> I gotcha. Thank you. Hey, uh, roll charm. Uh oh. <laughs> Should have taken that lipstick. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> um, charm. Let's see. What do I roll for that? I don't think that's. A, is that charisma? Oh, sorry, charisma. Yes, I think charm is a D and D thing. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Okay. Charisma is four modifier plus sixteen twenty. Okay. Great. Wow. Write that shit down. Okay, he, I mean, you touch his face and it is cold and he has this sort of like strong chiseled jaw and this just very unnerving quality about him. And you probably feel a little uncomfortable at how incredibly close you are to him right now because it it feels very much like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. If you're at the zoo, you see a tiger and you think, ah, oh, yeah, that could kill me. And then a tiger walks right up to the glass and you think, oh, wow, that could kill me. <laughs> that is how you feel being this close to this guy. And you reach out and you touch his face and you tell him Amara. And he says, Amara, a name I won't forget. Better not, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he misses Iria. He misses Iria completely. And Nyx is going after her. He is fine. So he slips through. Oh, yeah, he's fine. And uh, okay, so you guys have slipped over to the north side. Tonrir is crawling on his belly along the walkway. Uh, Wingatha is under a table full of drinks. 
and Gideon is spinning 20 feet in the air with a monster. <laughs> Perfect. So, like, no rush, guys. <laughs> it looks like it's going pretty well so far. Also, he, he is, like, getting progressively closer to you, and, like, Gideon, you you are really suddenly aware of the fact that, like, he is not breathing, and you have to. And I think it's not so bad because you're dancing, but you have this impression that, like, if you're forced to stand still and look this dude in the eye, at some point you're going to take a breath. Hmm. Okay. You've taken a swig from that mead. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't me. I'm, but thank you for reminding me. Everybody, everybody drink. This is really stressful. <laughs> um, all right. What's what's up? What's everybody doing? That draw is gone, by the way. He left. He's out of here. He busted through those doors into the foyer and you did not see him again. Did he leave the castle? He's nowhere near the ballroom anymore. He's nowhere to be seen. So he's elsewhere. He's elsewhere. Yep. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, I was trying to belly crawl my way across the ballroom east to west to get to the westmost vampire that's standing up on the elevated position at the north end. Okay. I know that it's going to be much harder to do a ring toss from the walkway to where they're standing if I'm looking at this properly. Yeah, it's about 45 feet down, and that would be about 10 feet north of where you are. Yeah. So the goal here is that if and when one of the vampires moves forward, mm. To just drop the ring at the right mm. time. Okay. All right. So uh, that's all I'm going to do. If there's other things that happen between now and then, I will just sit back and drink my mead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you looking down like you're watching them? Uh, yeah, I've gone to the north side of the walkway to look down briefly. Okay. I think you get a better look at these these characters, these three remaining characters. And the vampire on the far left is this character who looked as if eternal youth had completely missed him. He is a solemn, gaunt-looking man, and he is dressed all in black. And he is very uncomfortable to look at because his skin looks paper-thin, and his nails are horribly long, and his sharp yellow teeth protrude from his lips in kind of a rodent-like fashion. And more than anything, it looks like this curse completely forgot about the concept of eternal youth. He is holding a golden mask with cat ears disdainfully between his fingertips and not wearing it. <laughs> nice. From what Vesper had told you, you can assume that this is probably a Nosferatu. For all of his, you know, sort of ugliness, you also know that, like, this is a very old vampire. Very, very old. You probably don't want to tangle with him. In addition to that, you also know if you were listening to Vesper and if you were listening to what Gideon has been reading and all that stuff like Nosferatu, they can't make vampires. Hmm. They are not a Maroi. To his right is that sort of uncomfortably young woman. Hmm. And, you know, for all that you may know about vampires or not know, like you can probably assume there's got to be a taboo even among vampires about turning children. Because her mind, you can assume, is an adult, but her appearance is not. And it's very uncomfortable to look at, uh, maybe even more uncomfortable than this guy who totally missed eternal youth. And then the other vampire that's still there on the far right is she is 
kind of doing a mix of levitating and like balancing precariously on the very tips of her bare toes. Her entire body is stiff and kind of looks like she's been taken by rigor mortis. Mm. Like she looks like she cannot move. And when she moves forward, because these three vampires are talking, she hops. And like when she hops, it's a kind of a cross between a joke and a nightmare. Because even though it's... Did you, <laughs> you, did you, huh? did you play ghost stories recently? <laughs> this is, this is a, a zhang shi, which is a type of vampire in Pathfinder and also in the world. It's like the Chinese vampire. Uh-huh. And like even though she's hopping, she's horrifyingly fast. And she's got that scroll draped across the front of her face. And you can just see one eye past it. These three are sort of entertaining themselves with conversation. None of them would qualify as a Maroi. The young girl would. Mm. Mm. Ooh. And I assume the one that left? And the one that left, yes. Or the one that is no longer in the ballroom. Okay. The Nosferatu are like very, very old vampires who can no longer create other vampires. Like they kind of have a pretty terrible fate. And then the Zhangshi, I think, are people who died and had some serious unfinished business. Mm, All right. So I guess all I'm going to try to do is make myself perpendicular to the one that I can try to drop the hoop on and just wait. I have a portal pattern. What do we need that for again? That's after we catch a, send a thing back. That's for Vesper to... Yeah, he'll teleport us. Oh, okay. All right. I was just wondering if Tanmir were to do that, if I would need to use that right away or what. Per the queen and Vesper's instructions, once you send a contagious vampire through or a Maroi, then you draw this set of sigils on the ground and Vesper can open up a portal from the other side and bring you home, basically. But he's been instructed to not bring you home and not activate the portal until the queen has been given what she wants. We don't know if there's going to be a time delay between the word going from the queen to him. I think you can assume like he's going to do his best to hurry it up because he really seemed to like you guys, but you will need enough time to draw a pattern on the floor. Would it bring back other things that were within the sigil? Yeah. I think anything on the sigil is going back. Okay. So like if anyone's pursuing us, Mm -hmm. it could potentially bring it back with us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Wingeth is just lying in wait for inevitably when all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll make her move. Fair. Tanner, you're waiting for that Maroi to move, right? Mm -hmm. Gideon, you're just trying to keep your cover. And uh, Iria and Nyx, you guys are hiding behind that curtain. And then Wingeth is hiding under a table. Well, because now that Oberon knows my name, did he just keep dancing with me or? That's a good point. Okay. I think he says... Amara, and you slowly start sinking back towards the ground. Your feet touch the ground, and you sort of do one last spin and a flourish. And I think he spins you out under his arm and then spins you back into an embrace. Do you let that happen? Yes, she comes right up to the embrace with him. Okay, so he has you kind of wrapped your back against his chest and his cheek right against yours. And Gideon. I know what's happening. (laughs) Gideon, give me a stealth check. Oh, no. Because you're trying to hide your breathing. Oh, no. It's a 10. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
So you have just been dancing really hard and really impressively in the air and you have been brought down to the ground and you've been spun. And I think that you spin in to his arms. Is my bosom heaving? (laughs) 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 Something, something like that. I think you spin into his arms and I think that just unconsciously, like you take a big breath. How does he react to that? I think for a moment, everything is still. <laughs> he sees what's up and the uh, people he was controlling just stop. Probably. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I think for a moment, all of his, that's really good. I think for a moment, all of his brain power is stuck on this and he lets go of you and steps back and all 10 of the thralls stop dancing. And they form a perfect circle around you. All right. So Gideon kind of nervously looks around at all the thralls that are now standing completely still and then looks back at Oberon and realizes that the jig may be up, (laughs) that he may have noticed that she was breathing and a small waver in her voice. And nervously, she says, my Lord, do you believe in destiny? In soulmates, in love at first sight. She's really laying it on thick. (laughs) (laughs) She's been reading skeleton erotica. (laughs) Oh, Gideon knows her audience. She is well prepared. (laughs) I think as he draws back from you, he says, you're living. And he smells the air and kind of pulls a face. And then you say that. And where he was starting to look angry, he softens. And he steps forward and he takes your hands. Do you let him approach you? Yes, she's she's a little nervous, but she's not going to try and take him off now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he he approaches you and I think he places a very gentle kiss on the back of your hand. And he says very softly, it's all right, my love. You're living, but I can fix that. I'm not angry. You are still perfect. Brilliant and beautiful. With, and he takes a long smell near your neck. Noble blood. And we can still be together for eternity. My twin rose. He holds you close and he looks into your eyes and he says, it's only a little kiss. Hold still. Wingatha bursts out from <laughs> under. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's starting. It's starting. <laughs> Wingatha bursts out from beneath the table, sending it flying. The goblets of blood are just <laughs> flying through the air. <laughs> And she levels her spear in front of her and is charging across the room. Screaming bloody murder. (laughs) Screaming and shouldering thralls out of the way, just running at a full sprint straight towards Oberon. Oh, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) 